Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. What amazing things to be able to declare together, Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker. God is good. He's here with us, and we are here to worship Him together. Amen? Amen. As we begin, uh, as we dig into God's Word together this morning, let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 18 verses as we get started together. And I'm excited uh, for the things that God's putting in front of us here. And uh, so many good things. Oh, and then this summer series is going to be super fun. And next year, whew, I'm looking forward to it. God's got some good stuff coming. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But right now we're in James, and that's also good. This is also exciting as well. So uh, James chapter 1. Let's read this together here. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. I like that. Just one line. Just one word. Greetings. Consider it, and then he dives into like, like greetings. Here's some unbelievably heavy stuff. It's great. So, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And we're going to get into the trials he's talking about here. Holy cow. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Amen. Amen. We are coming to the end of this ministry year in which we've been exploring the faithfulness of God, his consistency, his steadfastness, his 
perfect and endless love and provision for us. Looking at that line, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we've explored what that means, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you've come to see God in a new and a deeper way. The way His story from the beginning of creation and through the lives of the people in the Old Testament, through the the revelation of Jesus and the work of His Spirit through the life of the church, I hope you see how your story, how our story connects to His. How our journey is just the same as it's always been. How, as Jesus called Peter at the end, Our purpose is, as it has always been, to just follow Him. It's been an incredible journey. And especially over these last few months as we've studied the life of Jesus, specifically the reality of the gospel, I've been so inspired. Jesus is life. And He offers us life. And that transforming work is so exciting. What he desires for us is so amazing. Freedom, hope, joy, peace, love, relationship. It's all there. He's offering it to you if you'll just reach out and grab it. But as we come to the the end of this journey, I I was kind of wondering, how do we close this out? How do we end? What do we close with? How do we conclude this as God leads us into these new and next things that he has in store for us as we keep following him, keep walking forward? And as I was praying, God led me to the book of James. It's one of the last books in the Bible, and it's a really fascinating book. It's a hard book. But it's a really, really important one. It's a book filled with practical challenges about this gospel-transformed life we're being led into. Strong words and, and big ideas revealing to us that as much as we do talk about the excitement and joy and wonder of life in Christ, we're not meant to just stand around feeling nice and being nice. We're called to holiness, to be different, to actually be different, for our behavior to change, not just our words. If we're talking about new life, we actually have to live different. And in his letter, James calls us to these things. James really is one of the most interesting books in the whole Bible because it was written by one of Jesus' brothers. Isn't that wild? We don't really pay attention to that. Jesus had siblings, half-siblings, I suppose. He had family, sisters and brothers, and James was there. He grew up with Jesus. In the same house, son of Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine that? Growing up with Jesus. What would 
What would that have been like? Was there anything really different or special about it, or did it feel normal? Was Jesus really different as a kid? I mean, probably. We have the story of Jesus at the temple when he was 12 years old with the the leaders there. Clearly, there was something different about him right from the beginning. But I am fascinated by the journey of James. Because his experience with Jesus would have been so unique. How do you come to worship your brother? How do you come to see him as God? I mean, I love my brother, and we get along great, but we saw each other do way too many dumb things to make this kind of a leap. And obviously that's silly to a certain extent because, again, Jesus was different. But we see that journey even through the Gospels. It really was a journey. It was a process for James. There's not really explicit things, but we get these hints when the Gospels refer to Jesus' family being around when he was doing ministry, when he was walking through things, when he encounters them or they find him or they meet up with him. There's little hints that they maybe weren't so sure about what he was doing. They maybe didn't even agree at first. Maybe they thought he was causing a scene or and maybe some of that, that sibling rivalry was even intact somewhere there. There's that instinct in there. Maybe they were annoyed with Jesus causing such a fuss or getting so much attention. We feel these things with our own siblings. We don't like it, but we have those instincts and those feelings that we have with the people that we grew up with. Was, was James there for that? Did he have those kind of experiences? Was he standing with them in those crowds sometimes as they would come to confront Jesus? What was he thinking? What was he feeling? What was he seeing? Where was he while Jesus was preaching and performing these miracles? Was he at that wedding in Cana where Jesus turned water into wine? Mary was there. Jesus was there. Was the whole family invited? That would have been a very normal thing. Did he see that happen? Did he see the healings that Jesus was doing? Did he hear the Sermon on the Mount? Or maybe he was back home trying to provide for the family while his older brother was out traveling around the countryside stirring up trouble. What did he think about that? What did he feel? What did he see? How would that affect you? Could you believe in the midst of all of that? But somehow, by the power and grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, James saw the truth. Jesus resurrected, his brother resurrected. And came to believe that his brother Yeshua, Jesus, was the Messiah. 
and even more was God himself. And James went on not just to believe, but to be a huge part of the leadership of the early church. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the center of the early church. Paul talks about sending letters and getting advice from the Jerusalem council, and James would have been involved in the leadership of that. Paul is asking James for advice. He's helping to shape and mold the beliefs and teaching and direction of the early church alongside Peter and the other apostles. James is there. By the leading and power of the Word and the Holy Spirit, he was there. And according to tradition, James even had a nickname in the early church. They called him Old Camel Knees. They weren't very good at nicknames back then. But it was said that he spent so much time on his knees praying for the church that they became as hard as a camel's. Something for us to think about in our own life. What does prayer look like for us? But James was a disciple. A passionate follower of Jesus and a leader in the church. And later on in his life, he felt led to write a word to the church. To the 12 tribes scattered, as he says it. It's estimated that James probably wrote this letter sometime around 70 A.D., 68 to 70 A.D. C.E., sorry. Wrong academic terms there. It's around 35 to 40 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. So the church has been growing and spreading for around 40 years at this time. And Paul would have just passed away, just been martyred, just a short time before James would have written this letter. And James is coming to the end of his own time and ministry. He's getting older here as well, and he's looking at the church, where it is, and where it's going, and what he sees having been in leadership for a long time. And God inspires him to pen these words, this challenge, this encouragement to the church. A challenge toward new life, to taking discipleship seriously. A challenge to embrace and pursue holiness and transformation for believers to be truly changed. And to show the world the power of God by the presence of His grace in our lives. So James is looking at the church around him and spread around the world. He's praying for them a lot. God leads him to encourage them. The the first generation of church leaders, the apostles and elders, are passing away and the church is moving, moving forward into the future, into an important season of transition. And James wants to lay some things before them to know and to remember. And as all this is happening, the church is in the middle of one of the darkest and harshest times of persecution that it has ever and will ever face. Nero, Emperor Nero, is on a mission to exterminate Christianity. And he is using it 
to deflect attention away from his own evil behavior and terrible leadership. The Christians are his scapegoats. And he is torturing and killing Christians by the scores. And the church faces terrible obstacles. And James sees all of this and he says, Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. When you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Right at the beginning of his letter, James is laying out a challenge for us, a reminder of what Jesus has said to us. Maybe he was standing there when Jesus said it. That this life following him will not be easy. And in fact, he guarantees it will be hard. That this life following Jesus is a call to something different. We do enjoy the love of God, the presence of the Spirit, the hope of grace and forgiveness. But it's all not just a call to simply enjoy. It's a call to follow. And if we follow, we will face hardship. John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you that way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Following Jesus means that we will not fit in. We're not supposed to look like other people, our lives our choices, the things we hunger for are supposed to be different because of Jesus. And if that's true, it can make people uncomfortable and even angry. Because even if we don't oppose them to their face or anything so harsh as that, our choices to pursue holiness reveal their sin to them. And they don't like it. Jesus said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We try to hide from the light because we like our sin. And as the work of Jesus transforms our hearts, we should like our sin less and less. Because we're drawn more and more to the light. And as we are, we might find that the people around us might get less and less comfortable because we're shining a light on things in their life. Things that even they don't want to see. 
But look how James continues here. This is so important because it's immediately after this. And we start feeling a little pumped up sometimes. Our pride, not a good thing, starts kind of getting us going, yeah, we're going to shine a light. And that's going to make some people uncomfortable. But too bad, I'm sharing the gospel. But look what James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you should believe, you must believe, and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Follow Jesus. Be light. Expect persecution, trials of many kinds, and let your faith be tested and produce perseverance and ask for wisdom. How are we going to respond to these trials, to these challenges? How do we approach the people around us? Ask for wisdom. I knew a guy once, this is a true story, who was passionate as a follower of Jesus, he was a really passionate evangelist. And he would come across pretty strongly sometimes to people. Uh, you understood his heart, but he would come across a little bit harsh. But he wanted people to love and follow Jesus, and that's a good thing. But wisdom was not his strong suit. And one time he went to a Tim Hortons parking lot to preach to some bikers who would gather there on a regular basis. And he was preaching to them, and in his passion and his zeal, he got very angry, and he pushed their motorcycles over, trying to get them to listen to him. Well, they heard him then, and he is still alive. He's still walking even, but their response wasn't persecution. That's not trials. Because he didn't ask for wisdom. He wanted them to hear the gospel. He wanted them to respond to Jesus. And rightly so. They should. And we should care more about that than we often do too. He might have been wrong in his actions. But his heart had something in it that we need to pay attention to. But there was no wisdom in his actions. Jesus might have asked him to preach to them, but he did not ask them, him to become angry, to destroy their property, to push over their bikes. When we get carried away in our own passion, in our own ideas, in our own mission, when we think that it relies on us, we can forget to rely on God and His wisdom. And we can do so much damage to others, to relationship, in my friend's case, to himself, and to the kingdom. When James calls us to believe and not doubt when we ask, it's not just believing that God will give us wisdom. It's believing and not doubting that God is in control. 
It's not just getting what we pray for. It's resetting our minds in the reality of the kingdom. Not just being double-minded in doubting that God will answer, but being double-minded in forgetting He is God. That He is working. That the people right in front of us might not respond the way we want them to or even the way they should. But it's not our responsibility, it's God's. He loves them. He is walking with them. He is drawing them to himself. When we try to take his place, when we become double-minded, we lose sight of that. James goes on to talk about wealth and poverty and humility and power, things that he will talk about quite a bit in this letter, and we're going to spend some time exploring as well. But he closes this opening portion talking about temptation. And in this, he kind of ties all these ideas together as he's just introducing this letter. And he says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. We will face trials and we will face temptation because of our own sin and brokenness. But do not be afraid because God has chosen you and he is with you. Powerful words, important words, because what the church was facing then, the trials and hardships might be different, but they are no less or more profound. The wealth and comfort of our society, the complacency and ubiquity of temptation, free everything, anything you want all the time, every desire, every wish at your fingertips. Do not be afraid. God is with you. He has chosen you. And James sees you as he saw the church then, just as he saw that early church and their hurts and feelings and needs. And he speaks these words to us too. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from this father of heavenly lights who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He has chosen you to be with Him. Jesus has given us new life, and that new life is filled with good things, even when we face hard things, because He is here, and we are here together.
Let's dive into James together. Spend some time in this letter yourself over the next few weeks. Let his words of challenge give you hope and life and inspire you to holiness, love, and a hunger to spread the gospel and build the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you today and we are challenged. We are encouraged. We thank you for the life of James and for the incredibly unique perspective and experience that he had growing up with Jesus. We thank you that by your power, by your spirit, you transformed his heart. You softened him to see the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that you were able to use James in that unique perspective to build your early church. To encourage and challenge and lead them forward. And God, we thank you for this letter, for these words. That he saw the need as the church was stepping into this new season. As the early generation was falling away and dying and passing away. God, that you were handing this off to the coming generations. And God, we follow in that example. And so we receive these words from James as he passed them on to the believers in those days, God, and we want to be challenged. We want to see the trials and temptations that are around us, God, and we want to step into holiness. We want to embrace the goodness that you have for us. We want to follow that call that you have laid before us and enjoy this life that you offer. Jesus, we thank you that we can journey together in this and that by your spirit you bring us together. We pray that we would understand this more and more clearly as we walk forward in this in Jesus' name. Amen.